God is good? Yes, sir. How far can you walk on the word of God and stay out of fear? I noticed it got real quiet in here. You know, if you can't shift your mind to the word of God, the natural is going to beat you. We, we've got to become very attentive to what's going on around us, attentive to what's going on in the world. Uh, most people are, are looking for a better day, but the Bible says we're living in the last day. Now, according to the Bible, that if you live in him, you can have a better day. But if you if you can't shift your thinking to the word of God and stand on the word of God, the elements of the day are going to beat us. We've got to prepare ourselves for it. A lot of people have their uh, their trust in their 401k, their pension, their job, their money or whatever else they got going on in their life. I, I don't know if you know it, but there's an active design to eliminate the middle class in America. You are not going to fall up. People don't fall up. And I would venture to say the majority of us in here are in the middle class. If you don't make a decision to rise above the darkness, it's going to it's going to collapse your house. There's many who have said that their goal, Bill Gates being one of them, their goal is to reduce the population of the world. How are you going to fight against that? See, if we don't build ourselves up for what's coming down the pike, how are you going to stand against it? There's a lot of things that are going on. This inflation that you and I are in right now, this didn't just happen. The Federal Reserve controls inflation when it's low, when it's high. You know, when they're, they're sending out those stimulus checks and everybody's jumping and screaming because they got a thousand bucks or something like that. You had me and some other people yelling, hey, don't be so excited. Inflation's coming. They knew what they were doing. <clears throat> they're trying to eliminate the middle class. That, that's going to be part of the darkness of this last day. How are you going to stand against the forces that have been waged against you? You've got to prepare yourself. You prepare yourself. There's no army that goes to war and say, we're just going to wait till we get there to learn how to fight. That's not a good plan, is it? But that's the way most Christians live their life. Well, God will take care of everything. No, actually, God has taken care of everything. Your ability, (coughs) my ability to walk in it is up to me and you. We've got to prepare ourselves. I see it many times in the arena of thoughts. I, I've been preaching the way I preach for almost 26 years. There's still people struggle with what I say. Don't get it because I'm talking about an, ele, uh, an elevated life on the word of God that we can live in. But we just come into church and we hear a message and say, well, that was a good message or I didn't like that message or whatever you say. It doesn't really matter. How do I need to adjust my life so that I can beat the darkness of the day? I watch people all the time make decisions based on what they think is right. And even though there's Bible scriptures, that says there's, a, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but destruction is at the end. This is where I, I, I've said many times, you can't chase money. You can't chase a natural life. You've got to chase God. Your money will be there and your natural life will be there if you chase God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added. There's actually a process. That's Matthew chapter six that I just quoted. If you and I put seek first the kingdom of God, I've been talking about the kingdom of God on our Wednesday night. Seek first how to operate in God's system and all these other things that the Gentiles seek after your money, your clothes, your food, your shelter, all that kind of stuff. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, however you want to say it. All these things will be taken care of if you seek his way of doing things, because his way of doing things is the only way that will beat the darkness of the day. But but you've got to change the way you think. There was two or three uh, different events this week where somebody told me what they heard me say and they totally missed what I said because we all do it is that because I'm not trying 
to get anything out of anybody. I'm trying to help people beat. So my ministry is always about making you stronger, Amen. not getting you to do something for me or, or getting something out of you. So I, 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 I preach and I teach a lot out of my own experiences and out of the experiences of others. I take the word of God. I've looked at what works for me and what doesn't look work for me. It's like this, this, this gunkitis that has got on me. Okay, God, where did I meet it? Because this has no power over me. It should not be here. And he showed me where I let down on my focus. Okay, now I realize don't do that. So I'm going to shift things. What have you shifted in the last six months in your life? If you can't write it down, you're missing something <clears throat> because the, the God's system works and we've got to come out and we've got to live in. That's how we're going to beat the darkness of the day. That's how we're going to show God's glory in this earth. And that's how we're going to prepare ourselves to be ready for his arrival. A lot of Christians believe they're ready for the rapture of the church. They're saying, Lord Jesus, come, but they're full of spots and blemishes. Read the Bible. He's not coming after a, a church full of spots and wrinkles. In fact, in Revelation chapter 7, in fact, I was listening to somebody talk about Revelation chapter 7 the other day, and they talk about, oh, the glory of people around the throne of God. It's like, yeah, but those people had to wash their robes of righteousness because they had spots and blemishes. They missed the appearing of Christ. A best case scenario statistically on the word of God is that 50% who call him Lord will make it. There were two standing in the field, one taken, one left. <clears throat> Are you any good at math? What's the percentage there? Half missed it. There were two in the bed. One was taken, one was left. You very good at math? What is that? Mark chapter four, there's four kinds of hearts. One of the hearts was a good heart. You very good at math? That just took us down to 25%. I don't know how many's gonna be, be ready, but I know statistically, uh, you know there was 10 virgins. Uh, they were unspotted by the world. Uh, <clears throat> Five of them was unprepared. Five of them was prepared. So five of them was not taken in, waiting for the uh, bridegroom come. Very good at math. What's, what, what percentage is five of ten? Fifty percent. Those knew what to do, knew what was needed, and they still weren't prepared. We've got to prep ourselves to walk in the things of God. Now, <clears throat> over the turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. We've read this verse three times over the last five weeks. And it says, now all these things happen, referring to the Old Testament, unto them for an example. And they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. We are the ones upon whom the ends of the world have come. So the things of the Old Testament were written for our benefit. Now, last week was Easter. Wasn't that a great Easter uh, Sunday? We had a great great time. But outside of last week, I've been preaching on... Old Testament people that were our example. And so the first one I titled certainty, execution, not, execution not being getting executed, but executing an idea, execution in our lives. And it was a story of Joseph. We walked through that. The next week we, t- we talked about what I called Gideon and our struggle. And we looked at Gideon and how what he did, what he went through very comparatively to our lives. Then we talked about when, when the conditions of life change, And we looked at Jacob. Today, I want to, uh, I'm going to title this, Prospering in Adverse Conditions. Now, prospering does have a financial meaning to it, but don't, when I say the word prosperous, don't don't just think um, money. It'll include money, but it includes your health, it includes your family, uh, it includes your welfare, it includes everything that you rise above whatever the adversity is of the day. (coughs) We can live above anything that would ever come against us. And so we're going to look at that in advert. Here's the problem is that in adverse times, it's easy to shift back into natural thinking because an adverse time is putting pressure 
on something that is yours. Your peace of mind, your health, your, um, uh, your money, your family, your, your relationships, your job, whatever. When adversity comes, that word signifies I'm in a problem. I'm in a situation. Okay, at that point, any problem <coughs> carries with it the power of pressure. Do you experience that? You have the decision. <coughs> you have the power to, to decide if you are going to yield to the pressure. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. But we have to not be changed by circumstances. I have not changed one thing in me <coughs> with this uh, that is trying to attack me. I still push myself. I still get up. I was up at 4, 4.40 this morning. At the same time, all you guys got up, right? Oh, no. I was up at 4.40 this morning. I was praying. I was meditating on the things of God, uh, preparing for today. And uh, let me not leave you hanging. I actually went to bed earlier, so I, I got plenty of sleep. Uh, <coughs> don't, don't think I like getting up. My dad taught me something. He says, if you open your eyes and you see the same thing you saw when they're shut, it's not time to get up yet. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's stuck with me all my life. And so, <coughs> so anyway, when adversity comes, it's easy to convert and lean to how you're going to solve it. Proverbs 3, 5 says, lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your ways, in all your ways, and lean not to your own understanding. That's, that's a human hardship because our brain is functioning. It does not matter what the natural looks like. Lean not. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. Now, if you can't shift your mind, especially when adversity comes, and stay on the word, struggle is going to be at your doorstep because you're going to try to figure out how to make it work in the natural. God has an answer for everything that we'll ever come into. There, uh, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. We've got to not work out of our noggin. I'll... I'll, I'll Use me as an example. I'm a very logical thinker. You guys probably don't know that, right? A linear thinker. I mean, it's just like uh, this produces that, that produces this. I don't, I'm, uh, you, it's probably going to surprise you, but I'm not a real emotional person. And uh, uh, you're not going to find me hugging you when you go through something bad. I'm going to more likely kick you in the seat of the pants and say, rise up. You've got it. Okay, because the word of God is that way. Now, for me in this, when adversity comes, my natural fight is I'm going to go in my brain because I, I've li- I'm 60 years old, I'll be 61 next month. Uh, I've lived my whole life beating things based on my brain. This may surprise you, but I'm not dumb. I know my English is not real good, but, uh, but that was the school's fault, not mine. But I'm not, I'm not done. I, dumb. I can, I can calculate my way through, through nearly anything. That's a problem for a person like me because when adversity comes... I will immediately, if I'm not aware, shift into my brain to try to figure out what I need to do to get through it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Now, you, you may not know this either, but Tammy's not very logical. She's emotional. You, you talk to her very long, you'll find out she's random. She'll like start talking to me and it's like, what in the world are we talking about? Well, I'm just finishing the conversation I had in my head. I said, I'm not in your head. <clears throat> I have no idea what the, the conversation was. She just expects me to pick up on everything. But from a natural side, so, so when adversity comes, she's not going to default into logic because that's not her default mode. 
It's not a knock. It's just different from me. We're all different. She's emotional. She's going to move more into her feelings. Now, your feelings will take you away from faith also, because if you <clears throat> if you're a person that yields to your feelings, you're judging everything by the feeling you're experiencing. Just like when when adversity comes to me, I don't judge it by how I feel. I judge it by how I think. You and I all have a natural way <clears throat> of responding when something adversity comes into our lives. The Bible says you can't do that. You have to respond based on the word of God. It may look <clears throat> like it's all falling apart. It's not. God has it in control. Amen. It just looks like it. It may feel like it. All the circumstances may, may add up to it, but God has a different math calculation than we do. God's got a million ways to answer every problem, and all we need is one of them. But we've got to, we've got to be able to not fall victim to that. So if our trust is in the natural, based on what we see, based on what we feel, based on how we calculate, it is going to take us to the wrong outcome. <clears throat> now, as we live in this last day environment, this is going to become more and more important. What if destruction comes to your household? Can you stand on the word of God? Angels have charge of you. Now, it's easy to say, oh, yes, I believe that. Psalms 91, angels have charge of me. Keep me in all my ways. I won't even dash my foot against a stone. I like what Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. You, you can talk about your faith. You can be all Christianese about your faith. But what are you going to do when life punches you in the face? That's where it's critical. Can you take the punch and keep standing? Now, according to the word of God, we can. <clears throat> but you and I are going to have to have faith in that word to do that. And you don't build that kind of faith in the middle of a problem. You build it before you ever get to the problem. So we're going to turn over, if you would, to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. In <clears throat> my title today, we're looking at an, another Old Testament person, persons actually in this case, and because uh, they were for our example. How do we pros prosper in times of adversity? Now, again, when... <clears throat> I say the word prosper, don't just think money. How do we survive? How do we rise to the top when things are not going the way we think? Has anybody here ever experienced, I might not be talking to the right crowd, ever experienced a, a segment of your life where it looked like it was all falling apart? It, that didn't change the word of God. We got punched in the face. How do we handle it? Going back to uh, Romans 12, 2 that I've been talking about, that we may prove that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. We have got to prove God words wor God's word works in all situations. We do not yield <coughs> or bow our knee to the natural. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it, came against it by army. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. In other words, the protection of God departed from him. With part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of God. Now, he also brought, they, they took them captive. Adversity. A free people now became enslaved. They now had a controlling force over them. So number one, <coughs> while we probably don't, you know, as the United States, we probably don't run a whole lot of risk of another country coming in and taking over the United States because we... Even the weakening of the American military forces that's happened over the last couple of years, uh, we still have a pretty sophisticated army. But then past that army, 
You got a lot of households with guns and you got an American spirit that will stand up and fight. So that we probably don't run a whole lot of risk of, you know, becoming Germans like as in World War I or, or part of uh, Japan like in World, uh, sorry, World War II or like Japan in World War II. We probably don't run that risk. But they are, or those in power right now are trying to enslave people. They want to they take your rights away. Here's the sad thing. <clears throat> in fact, I read an article yesterday that the FBI is now inserting agents into churches so that they can report on what is being done in the church and people like me that, that say things you know, pretty directly. What's sad is the FBI realizes the most powerful force in this earth is the church. And the other part that's sad is most Christians don't realize it. They're just concerned about what they're going through, what they're feeling, you know, their life, and they're this. But the church has the power to rise up through their prayer, through their authority, and stand against the elements of darkness. Those in darkness understand this. They're infiltrating the church. They, they want to, uh, they want to start, stop it. In fact, over in Thessalonians, it talks about to that which restraineth is removed uh, the, the evil things cannot transpire. A lot of people preach that as the Holy Spirit, that once the Holy Spirit's removed, but that can't be true because there is no place that God is not. So God cannot remove himself from a place. He's omniscient. He's everywhere at the same time. What is removed is the church. Now, that's not everybody that calls himself a Christian. That's the church, the body of Christ. They're, they're walking with God. They're fellowshipping with God. That's why I say that, that not everybody that says they're born again and goes to church is rapture ready. Because he's coming back after a church without, see, we know it. We can't hide from it. What spots? What's wrinkles? Well, just go in your Bible and study it. There's a lot of things that are sprouting wrinkles. And, and a lot of the church not only participates, they like to post it and share it. Look at my heathenistic ways. Aren't I cool? That, that's not the church that Jesus is coming back after. So now verse 3, And the king spake unto Asphenas, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed of the princes. Watch this. Children in whom was no blemish. Now we're going to find Daniel in here. We're going to find the three Hebrew children in here. They're the ones that are named. But notice what it said. We can tie this in to a couple of things. Who survived or rose to the top prospering during adversity? And what was the qualifications of these people? Children in whom was no blemish, <coughs> but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had the ability to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and of the tongue of the Chaldeans. So if we take scriptures like without spot or wrinkle, occupied till I come, the talents that were given to go multiply the talents, we see a group of people that's worthy to stand in the presence of a foreign king that even though they are now slaves, they rose in their slavery above slavery conditions. You and I may not <coughs> have the, the individual power to really influence governmental things and the, the Federal Reserve and the different things that they're doing to try to control, but you and I within adversity can rise above everything that tries to come against us. Now, it's not, again, like I said just a minute ago, we don't fall up. Somebody want to demonstrate like falling? You're not going to fall up. You're going to hit the ground. So, but we have the ability to rise up. But in the rising up, it takes effort on our part. Where are you at in the preparation of yourself to stand against all the evil of the world? Only you can answer that. But we've got to come to this. So what are we doing? This is a great question, Pastor Harbaugh. I'm 
brings it up every once in a while. It's a great question. <clears throat> what are you doing today that will cause the Holy Spirit to recommend you tomorrow? Because Daniel, the three Hebrew children, they were doing something before they became slaves that qualified them to rise above the elements of slavery. What if what is going on in America continues to its worst end? Do you have the ability to stand against it? Biblically, yes. Mentally, we don't know. All we have to do is look at how we respond to life. More people than not, they're figuring out what they need to do to make it work the best. Stop it. You're not smart enough. The Bible says one can put a thousand flight, two can put 10,000. You and me together are not smart enough. If we, if we all got in a circle and started planning out, all of us together is not smart enough. God has this thing all figured out. He has given us the power to rise above all things, but you and I have to tap into what he has said. <clears throat> Amen? Jump down to verse 7. Unto whom, the <coughs> Unto whom the prince of the Enix gave names. This world wants to change your name. They gave names. So he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah, Shadrach, and unto Mishael, Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. I bet you if I asked you what the three Hebrew children's name are, most everybody would give me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why do we know them by their demonic names? Why did we not train the church in their Hebrew names? The world wants to change your name. He wants to change your name as helpless, broke, failure, no power, shame, guilt. You, you put the name on there. The world wants to, to change your name so that you cannot function, so that I cannot function as a child of God. How do you see yourself? See, a lot of us have given in to the circumstances of life instead of to the circumstances that were created by God. What am I talking about? Prospering in adversity. Even though we see them become slaves, they're not yielding to the slavery. Go to verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I've talked about this a lot in purpose. You and I will never reach an intended purpose if we don't make the purpose. I guarantee you, Daniel didn't make this purpose in his heart the day that they, they were overtaken and enslaved. He made this determination way back when, I don't care what comes my way, I'm going to purpose in my heart not to defile myself. I am not going to put myself in the realm of the unclean. I'm not going to put myself in the realm of that which does not work. I'm not going to put myself in the realm of this fallen nature. But I am, I'm not going to defile myself. I am going to stay in the things of God. If you and I don't purpose in our heart today, should have been, you know, what's that old saying? When's the best time to plant a tree? Best time is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. If you haven't done it already, you need to purpose in your heart. I don't care what I look at. I don't care what pressure comes against me. I'm sticking to the word of God. Amen. It may not look right. It may not feel right. I may have pressure all over me, but I'm going to stand with God. Blessed is the man that, <clears throat> that committed to his own hurt and changes not. I don't care if circumstances change. I'm staying with God. I don't care what it feels like. I'm staying with God. Oh, but hey, uh, Brother David, come here. I, I can show you a way out of this. Oh, well, it has to be God. No, you need to check and see, is it God? Not every door is a God door. Let me add to it. Not every door of opportunity is a God opportunity. You can't just go by opportunity. You remember when uh, Naaman, who had uh, leprosy, came to Elisha, and uh, he told him to go dip seven times in the, the river, and he said, I don't want to go in that river. There's cleaner rivers than that. And then one of his... Uh, 
servants said, you know, if the, if the man of God would have asked you to do something great, you would have done it. Why don't you just go do it and see if it works? So he went down there and he dipped seven times. On the seventh time, he came up clean. So he went back down to Elijah's and tried to give him a bunch of uh, bounty, tried to pay him. Elijah said, no, there wasn't a God opportunity. Even though it was a natural opportunity to be prosperly, you know, blessed naturally in prosperity, it was not a God opportunity. But Gehazi didn't see that. When he left, he thought, man, what's up with the, what's up with the man of God, man? Didn't he see this? I, I, I better go get it. I'm sure he was just like, didn't have his caffeine this morning, you know, and, and uh, was probably tired or something like that. Let me go get it. And so he chases uh, Naaman down and he says, uh, you know, after you left, uh, we, we had some visitors. And so the prophet said he wants to go ahead and take that because he wants to bless them. And uh, so he gets it and he goes, hides it, walks back in the house. And the man of God said, where'd you go? Oh, no place. I've been around here. He said, did I not go with you when you went? Now the now the leprosy of Naaman will come on you and your family. Yeah. Wasn't a God opportunity. But like two chapters later, there's a bounty that's far greater than that bounty that came into his household. Like a, like a camel train full of stuff. And now it was a God opportunity. We, we've got to be wise in these last days. We've got to have a fellowship that working with the Holy Spirit to know which way to go. So the power of purpose. You've got a purpose today. If you haven't already done it, I'm not going to defile myself. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to stick with the word of God. And if I'm unsure, I'm going to do some diligent seeking to make sure it is God before I'm going to act on it. Verse nine. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Just because he's a slave, he still has the ability to walk in God's love, God's favor and everything work for him. This is what we've got to not lose sight of. It does not matter what it looks like. God has an answer. You've got to build the capacity inside of you to walk with God and not get over into your brain. Now, jump down to verse 19. And the king communed with them. This is, this is the king that has them in slavery. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. It put them in the presence of where they needed their answer, even though adversity had come their way. Verse 19. I guess we just read that, right? Now, so it doesn't matter where we go, what we get in. God is going to do it. Now, let me just rehearse the rest of the I'm running out of time. <coughs> but you probably know there's two other stories in this that are very par powerful. And that is Daniel and the lion's den. So people didn't like him. And they rose up. Man, this Daniel, man, he's got all the favor. He's walking in things that we should be wa walking in. And we we're not able to walk in it. So let's go talk to the king. Tell him to make a decree that nobody prays uh, to any God except for him. And if any big is this Daniel, he's going to pray to his God no matter what. We'll throw him in the lion's den. Now, you talk about ad, uh, adversity in life. He was unchanged. He's not going to defile himself. He still opened up his windows. He still prayed. They went and told the king. The king was distraught because he didn't want to put him uh, in the lion's den, but he had already made a decree. He had to stand by his, his word, and they threw him in a, a cave with lions. He just had a good night's sleep. Now, you, you, you got to personalize this. If you're getting ready to be thrown into a, a hungry lion's den, what is your disp disposition like? That's going to hurt if they bite you. I, I told you this story before, you and me, you know, me and all sorts of faith. We're in the Boston Zoo. Tammy's cousin, she worked there, took us in the back. And there was an old lion with no teeth, a male lion. He was old and he had no teeth. And he's sitting there in all of his glory, huge eyes, 
You don't realize how big lion paws are and lion eyes are. Can't say anything about the teeth because he didn't have any. And it was in a cage, and then they had like a hand railing. So if you like leaned up against the hand railing, you could kind of grab the cage. And I thought about David killing the lion. I thought, well, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're in a cage. you got no teeth. You're old. So I walked up there very confident. I, I, I'm in the eyes. I'm it's like faith man here. And I walked up to that thing, put my hands on that railing, and that lion went, and I jumped about 10 feet. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I'm not there yet. <laughs> what, what are you going to do when something snorts at you? See, Daniel, Daniel wasn't moved by it. I, I, I've got a covenant with God. God has this thing all worked out. He'll take care of me. So the, <coughs> the king was up all night, came back in the morning. Daniel, Daniel, did your God save you? And he says, oh, king, I'm still good. Yeah. Pulled him out, took the people that, that it... Uh, Planned against them, threw them in, and sure enough, the lions were hungry. See, what am I talking about? Our ability in adverse conditions. You and I have the power to rise above anything. Same thing with, with the three Hebrew children, is that they're supposed to worship the king. And, and just, you're, you're in the, you're in the, you know, the middle king bowl or whatever it's called now. All the people of the city are there. When the music plays, bow down. You and two other people still standing. There's pressure in that. That's about the time you realize your shoes untightened. Oh, I'm not bowing. I'm just tying my, my sandal down here. No. They purpose to not defile themselves. The king said, what are you doing? We're going to do this one more time. If you don't bow, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And so they played the music again, and they just stood there. They were respectful to the king. Oh, oh king, who are we to serve? You or our God. We can't bow to anybody else. It says he got so angry, the visage of, a, of his face turned. And he called his, his servants, his soldiers. Now, you got to think back in the day. They weren't the little guys. You know, it wasn't all this uh, modern everybody's fair and we don't care if you're short or tall, skinny or feminine or whatever else. You know, these guys was, they were men. They were the biggest guys around. Their hygiene probably wasn't very good. And they walk over. I don't think they walked over like, come on, come with us. We're going to go over to the, the fiery furnace here. No, they probably walked in all their magnificent military, grabbed them by the nap of the neck. The king says, heat the, the fiery furnace seven times hotter. Like, what's that going to do? Fire will kill you either way. I mean, but they got it so hard that a, a guard fell over dead when they opened it up. But they just trusted in God. And they walked in it. And to me, the amazing, a lot of people point on, uh, didn't we throw three in there? But there's four now, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. To me... <coughs> one of the, the things that hit me the most is when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. What am I talking about? Prospering during adverse conditions. I asked the question many times, how far can you walk with God on his word? I believe there's coming a time where we're really going to have to prepare ourselves. And if we don't prepare ourselves, we are going to be, this is going to be deep. You might want to write this down, unprepared. Let's stand. As we read our first verse, these people of the Old Testament was for our learning. Joseph stayed focused on the dream. Gideon walked in a, a word. He struggled with it, uh, but he ended up walking in that word. Jacob, they just kept changing his, his wages and the conditions of his employment, but he kept staying faithful. And now, the four of the Hebrew children, they were not moved by what they faced. You and I have got to prepare this. That we're new, we, we don't get moved by what we face. We don't get moved by what we hear. We don't get moved 
by, by what we feel. We don't get moved by what we see. We are fixated on the word of God. Now, if you never open your Bible during the week, you're never going to have a word to stand on. You've got to start feeding on the word of God. How do I shift my thinking to stand on the word of God if I don't take this word and shift my thinking to standing on the word of God? You and I are in control. And we make decisions every day. They move us closer to God. They move us further from God. I liked what Emmanuel said when we were talking about the uh, faith foundations that uh, I now look at things and determine in my heart whether it's sin or not to try to you know, keep myself out of it and everything like that. Do we do that? Is this God, what God wants me to do? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if I'm living in fear, I am unpleasing to God. If I'm not building faith in things, if I'm analyzing everything based on natural components, I'm not in faith. It's not pleasing to God. I don't think Jesus is coming back for a church that's not, that doesn't please him. Would you? I mean, if you paid the horrendous price that he paid, would you be coming at, after people that, that mock you? It says that what you've, what you've done is really not that important. Well, I didn't like that. It made me uncomfortable. I couldn't wrap my mind around what you, what you said, so I just did it the way I thought was best. Just look at the, the man with the talent that went and hid his talent. Look at the disciples when they were belling out water. He rebuked them. Where's your faith? Look, look at all the times that Jesus rebuked his disciples. If Jesus was alive on the face of the earth right now, he wouldn't have disciples. Because they would all leave. Wait, he, he was mean to me. He made me uncomfortable. I don't know why he talks with me like that. Man, I, I, I've been helping him. I mean, I did this for him. I did that for him. And then he barks at me about, like, where's my faith? The boat was sinking. What do you want me to do?